So this morning, if you have a Bible, um, or it'll be on the screen for you, you can turn to your Bibles in uh, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. And the title of the message today is Everyone Matters. And uh, I believe that everyone matters, including um, not just uh, United States of America, but Ecuador and also all around the world. And uh, I shared this in the first service, but this is why we invest so much into our kids and youth, because if you look at this community, if you try to reach every single household in this community, I truly believe the best way to do that is through our kids and youth. The reason for that is because if you look at this community, like I said, what place would they, will we be able to uh, reach these people? Every single household. And I truly believe this, if we can create disciples and make disciples as Jesus commanded us, both from kids and youth, even young adults, how many know these kids in their schools represent every single household in this community? I don't care if they're in public school, private school, Christian school, homeschool, co-op groups, whatever that may be. If you can teach these students and make disciples, how many know in order for you to make a disciple, you have to be a disciple, Okay, and so if we could teach these, stu- these students the ways of, of Christ and they become a disciple, how many know they're going to make disciples in their school, right? And with that, they are able to go into their school, witness to their friends and their teachers, and through that, through reaching in these schools areas, you are literally going to be able to reach every single household in the community. And it's a big picture, but it's not impossible. I believe that we can do that, and that's why we do what we do, is because we want every single person in this community to hear about Christ and give them an opportunity. And so that's why we do what we do. And so this morning, as we look to this scripture, this is, you know, again, a passage of scripture that I believe would, um, you know, most of us probably have heard some about at some point in time. If you've been in church, you'll hear about this parable. Um, some, Some versions, my version calls it the parable of sower. Some versions call it the, you know, the parable of the seed. Some may call it the parable of the soil. I would say best fit, it would fit best with probably parable of the soil because you can plant a seed. How many know you can plant a seed, but if the soil's not good, that seed is not growing. That seed will not, will not grow. The plant will not you know, be able to give the nutrients it needs. So the soil is important. That's why you know, the soil kind of best fits into this parable that we're about to look at um, because it, it determines the outcome of the growth. Kind of giving you some background as to this passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 4. Jesus is at the peak of his ministry as far as popularity. But as his popularity grows, um, the opposition has also intensified. And it will continue to intensify in this passage of Scripture. Jesus is so popular in this Scripture passage we're about to read. The crowds are so, there's so many people and they're pressing so much against him. He has to get into a boat onto the Sea of Galilee and teach from a boat. I mean, that's how, if you can just imagine how, how intense this crowd was. They wanted to be close to Jesus. But this starts really the beginning of his parable teaching that um, the scripture will often talk about. You know, from up to this point, Jesus is very straight up with his teaching approach to the disciples and to the people he's talking to. But all of a sudden you see a shift in his teaching. In fact, the disciples will say something about it. Um, You can write this down. We're not going to look at it, but Matthew chapter 13 will talk about the disciples um, mentioning this. Why the shift? Why the change into parables? Uh, Parables are basically, uh, you know, Jesus uses parables for us to think about, to maybe seek more into. Also, Jesus will show that this is the keys, or not the keys, but the secrets to the kingdom of God are found in a lot of these parables. And Jesus will even share that 
um, as we read this passage today. So it's going to start in Mark chapter 4. I'll just kind of read to you what the parable is about, and then we'll talk about the, the, the second half of the scriptures today. But it says this in verse 1 of chapter 4. I have the NIV version, I believe. Um, we may have a different version on the screen, but if you want to follow along, you can. It says this, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat, sat out in front of the lake, out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked about the parables. And what I love about this in verse 13, this parable is so important, so vital. In fact, Jesus will say this in verse 13. It says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any of the parables? So in other words, what Jesus is saying, this is the most important parable. If you get this parable, you will get the rest. If you can understand the importance of this parable, you will get the rest. And so there are two things Jesus will tell us to do. The first thing to do is seek after him. In verse 10 through 12, it says this, when he was alone, the 12 others around him asked about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. What Jesus is saying here is not that we withhold the message of Christ from people, but what he's trying to simply tell us is that in order for you to know the secrets to the kingdom of God, you first must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You must first Trust his word, because otherwise you cannot find the secrets to the kingdom of God elsewhere. There is no other place. I don't care what science you have. I don't care how much you know. I don't care what kind of degree you may have. But you cannot understand the secrets of the kingdom of God unless you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, unless you believe the word of God for what it says. Not bits and pieces of the word of God, but the complete word of God. And that is what is so vital and important to all of us today as we... You know, if you're trying to understand more about God and understand the spirituality of what this thing is all about, you must first, as Jesus said, be born again. You must first give your life to the Lord. That is in order for you to understand the secrets to the kingdom of God. And you may, and some people, they get intimidated by the Bible. I can understand that. There are passages of scripture I still don't know everything about. There are passages you don't know everything about either. But just because we can't know everything doesn't mean we can't know some things. And I think a lot of times... We talk ourselves out of it and say, well, that's the pastor's job to do that and all these different things. Can I just suggest to you what Jesus is saying here is if you have a casual attitude about the word of God or if you are not wanting to read the word of God, can I just say you're reducing your spirituality? In fact, you are in danger of not not being an eternity in heaven because you are not trusting the word of God. You are not seeking after him. You're telling somebody else to seek after him for you. That's not how this thing works. Jesus says, confess and believe. You confess and believe. And as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to be careful about having this casual attitude. Well, I'll just let somebody else do the work for me. That's not how this thing works. That's not what having a relationship with the Lord is all about. And it's important that what you have known about, what you're learning about, you live out. 
Jesus said this, that too much is given, much is required in return. So it is dangerous for you to know and not do anything about it. It is dangerous for you to know the word of God, read the word of God, apply the word of God to your life, and say no. What you're doing, you're rejecting the word of God. That's what you're doing. So it's very important that we search our heart and what God is telling us to do in our life. Because what you do with what you've been given determines what you'll do the next day and how much you'll be given the next day and the next day after that and the next day after that. Because if you want to be entrusted with more, you first must do and obey what has already been given to you, what has already been placed in your hands. Then God will give you more. God will give you much more. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we getting close to the Lord or drifting further from him? Because we all know this, God will reach out to us, but he'll give us the choice as to whether or not we reach out to him. And I hope this morning that you'll reach out to God because he says, if you seek me with all of your heart, he will reveal himself to you. He will reveal the secrets of the kingdom of God that no human being can reveal unless they look to the word of God. And, and that's an important concept today. So we have a skit that we're gonna, another skit we're gonna do that kind of you know, has a message behind it, why we you know, want to encourage people to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, understand the team, you guys can get ready, but to understand the importance of why it is we do what we do, and at the same time, how God wants to rescue people. And so many times, this is going to explain a lot of our second point here, how so many things can distract us by, the, by what the world may offer, um, and we have to be careful of that. The Bible says, and the Apostle Paul will tell us to test yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. I mean, it's applying the, the, you know, basically, if you have the root of salvation, you'll have the what? The fruit of salvation. You'll bear the fruit of salvation. So this morning, I've asked uh, Abigail Dean to come and share with us her story. So would you give it up for Abigail as she comes? Hi, guys. Um, So all my life, I've grown up in the church And for the longest time, I was actually mad because of it. Um, Not because I didn't love the Lord. I love the Lord. Um, But it was because I was insecure about my testimony. We would go to all these special conferences and youth events and hear about the speakers having this amazing, earth-shaking, miracle-working testimony of how God worked through the speaker and connected them to a church. And so for the longest time, I compared my testimony to theirs. I thought my testimony was too boring, that I would never reach anyone. And I've uh, since then learned that that's nothing as further from the truth. God writes our testimonies, therefore it is unique and special, and so that we can reach anyone. Um, It could be any type of, any different kind of person. And so, as some of you may know, I am a dancer and um, a small musical theater nerd. Um, (laughs) uh, I'm sure you can ask either one of my brothers that I love Broadway. And um, so I joined my school's um, drama program, and I um, was, uh, my dance school had a competition team, so I joined that too. And for for a long time, I was happy and content with just performing. It was, it was, good performing, but it was stuff behind the curtain that went on that um, made me lose my, or destroyed my self-esteem and my self-worth. As, um, after a while, I started feeling left out and inadequate. 
that high, highly competitive atmosphere left me lacking passion, purpose, and made me question things that I enjoyed. It was only when I came to church that I felt encouraged and safe from the things said about me and to me. Our amazing youth pastor, Pastor Bobby and Amber, um, gave me a chance this year to be a student leader, and which not only taught me how important it is to be a good role model, but how necessary it is to help other students that might feel left out or damaged like I did. And another example was Miss Sandy that this year also, um, who is our wonderful fine arts leader, asked me this year to be a junior mentor um, for dance and musical theater, which in a defining moment of my life when I thought I wasn't good enough. Um, I am so thankful for being raised in such a loving and encouraging environment such as our church. This church has shown me God's love and given me countless opportunities to serve and be mentored. Grace is a wonderful place for Christians, young and old, um, can come and be supported and support each other, not only be supported, in areas that they feel they need help in. In my case, it was a confidence builder and a source of strength. I hope my testimony encouraged someone today. Thank you. Amen. So as you can see, like this church, it, like I said, it's not one particular ministry that we're talking about here. This is a culture that we firmly believe in, that if you uh, be the church, everyone feels a part of something bigger than themselves. And that's what we've you know, been wanting to do and see happen. You guys have responded wonderfully and supporting not just the youth, but the kids and the young adults and the, and the adult ministries that we do. It's really a part of the culture and how they see it. Because it may happen in one ministry, but how many know everybody's got their eyes open? They see everything. And, uh, you know, it's really cool just to hear their stories and how, what they've seen and how God has, has worked through people's lives. And uh, it's touched them in a way that it, words can't really describe. So it's a really cool thing to see. Um, so, that, you know, we've, we've been taught to seek after him. The second thing is we've been taught is to spread his word. And, uh, you know, that's one of the passages we're about to read in verse 13 through 20 kind of explains the parable that Jesus is talking about. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word, and once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seed sown among thorns hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. And this morning, it really talks about four different kinds of hearts that we're going to touch on rather quickly to kind of describe as to who we're spreading this word to. And really, the farmer here represents God, but it also reflects on us. As a Christian, we are told and commanded by God to spread the word, to spread the gospel, to spread his love to all people. Do you notice that the farmer here sowing the seed does not withhold seed from certain individuals? He gave it at, and threw it out to whoever. If they had a heart that was hard-hearted or if they had a heart that was receptive, didn't matter. They threw, he threw the seed out. It's an amazing concept. 
Because it's under, sometimes what we'll do is we'll do this. We'll look at people and we'll say, well, this person looks more responsive. I'm going to go witness to them. But to this person, I'm not going to necessarily waste my time with them. And I may just say, God bless you, that kind of thing. And, and we end up withholding the gospel from people because we've already prejudged what their heart was. And how many know there's not one person in this room across this planet who is good at reading the heart? Only Jesus knows that. Jesus reads the heart. So this farmer... And us, we are not to withhold anything from people, not to withhold the word of God from people just because we have a, a pre-judged um, idea as to who they are because you just don't know. I've, in fact, majority of the time I know this. The people I think that are least likely to receive Christ, receive them. The people who I think are ready, don't. It's very interesting. And, and maybe you can identify with that. The people you've been, you mean like this person, they're, they're, they're right there. But then they just never cross. They never take that step. But then the person you feel like that wouldn't necessarily, it's amazing how God is working in the heart, the things that you don't see. And all of a sudden they respond just like that. So our, the idea is wherever these hearts are, it's not to say we withhold it from anyone because we don't know where they are. We don't know where their heart is. I don't care how well you know them. It could be a family member. You don't know what's going on in their heart. In fact, I will suggest this. You don't even know everything that's going in in your heart. God knows. You are, we, we are not experts. God is. And so this morning, this gives us some idea as to who we spread the word of God to. Because the, really, the life of a sower, um, it spreads the seed wherever they go. But the power is not in the sower. It's in the seed. Do you notice that there's not a style as to way the, the sower is doing this? He's not like, well, it's a flick of the wrist. You know, you got you to gotta round your arm up twice, you know, and throw it. All right? It's... And this is what we do. We look at a pastor, we look at a speaker, and we say, wow, that person's funny. That person's got influential uh, people or in his life, or maybe they're just influential in general. Man, they're smart, they're intelligent. And, and we look at that person and we say, yeah, they spread the seed well. But for me, no, I, I can't do that. I can't be like that. I can't, I can't witness to that person the way they do. Listen, God's not asking you to witness the way somebody else does. He just says, be obedient. When he calls you to do it, do it. Just spread the seed. That's all you have to do. Be responsive to the Lord. Don't withhold. And don't look at somebody else and say, well, yeah, they, they can do it better than I can. Listen, it's about being obedient to the Lord. And whether that person accepts it or not, that's, that's on them. And you just have to be obedient to the Lord. Because the, the Lord, whether you know, that person receives Christ or not, the Lord's going to reward you based on obedience, not whether or not they receive Christ or not. It's about obedience. And whatever God calls you to do, I hope we will be obedient to that. So there are four kinds of hearts that are in this scripture. The first one is a hard heart. In verse 15, we'll talk about this, that through the gospel being shared to them, they will straight up reject the truth. They will straight up just not want anything to do with it. They won't have any interest in it. In fact, they'll become more and more calloused to the gospel. Their heart will become callous. This is why it's so important that if you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you hearing the gospel over and over and over and rejecting it over and over and over, the Bible says very clear that your heart will become calloused. To the point it no longer affects you. That's a dangerous place to be. This is why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next service. Now is the time. Why? Because the more you hear it, the more accustomed you'll get to hearing it. It's like when your parents were telling you not to do something. How many know you eventually start tuning them out, right? When they keep telling you the same thing. You're like, oh yeah, I know what you told me. Same thing with the gospel. I eventually, or whoever is telling you the gospel, you'll start hearing it over and over, and eventually you come to the point, oh, yeah, I know, i got to get saved. Yeah, i got to give my life to the Lord. You become callous of heart. 
That's why today is the day of salvation. The, the other heart is this, the shallow heart. In other words, what it's saying is they don't last long. This is verse 16 through 17. They don't last long. And they at first respond. But because when problems arise, when things don't go their way, they say, well, I don't want anything to do with this Christianity anymore because I thought there was no problems in Christianity. Some of you chuckle at that because you know that God says in his word that you will have trouble. And in fact, he says, I'll be with you through the trouble. And God, his greatest, um, you know, his greatest moments for, I think, me personally, and when he has shown up, is through the toughest trials of my life. It's been an amazing, it's been an amazing thing to see God do those things. But it's important to know that these people, they experience the presence of God, but then they don't stay with it, do they? It says that they were a shallow heart. They, can I just say to you, just because you feel the presence of God and you may be responsible or responsive to the presence of God, that's not necessarily calling it saving faith. You can actually be responsive to the word of God. You could be responsive to worship. You can lift your hands in worship. But you know, when problems come up, you automatically just, you know, as for example, let me say, you will see people, you know, uh, who get saved, who come to know the Lord. And, you know, you're like, wow, look what God did. But then two months later, they're gone. What happened? They experienced the presence of God, but something within their heart, only God knows, they were withholding. And because of that, when a trial or a problem came up, they left, they're gone. You'll never, maybe never see them again. I pray to God that they come back. But you got to know this, that, you know, he's saying, well, Pastor Bobby, are you telling us about this whole concept of once saved, always saved? I'm not telling you that, okay? Because I believe this. I believe that we are not perfect at reading people's hearts, including our own. So we have no idea what is in our heart. In fact, that's why the Apostle Paul said, test yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith, because it will reveal your heart. Test yourself. Put yourself out there. Are you witnessing? Are you reading your Bible? Are you seeking after him? Are you coming to church? Are you being plugged into a church? Are you, are you having life-giving relationships? All of these contribute to a relationship with the Lord and how we can strengthen ourselves. That's why 1 John 2.19 says, the fact that they went out from us means they were never of us. Now, that's not to say, again, that once saved, always saved philosophy, because I believe that we should not take wishful thinking and make it theology. I think that's a very important thing. Because as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I have to be obedient to the Lord. It, Jesus said, pick up your cross daily. It's not you just get saved. Well, I can do whatever I want now. That's not how this thing goes. Jesus said, pick it up daily. How many know picking up a cross is not comfortable? Cross is hard. Cross hurts. And that's going to happen. But you know what? God will carry you through. And in the end, he will carry you through it all. So let's be understandable of that, that it's about the heart that really determines whether or not we are truly a follower of Jesus. Are you staying with it? That's a question you have to ask yourself. Am I sticking with it or do I quit? And you know who, those, you know who that is because I, I don't even have to say anything else. I just know the Spirit of God will talk, talk to you right there. I know what he'll say to you. The other one is the crowded heart, verses 18 through 19. They're at first, these people are at first in on it, but they sell out for the things of this world. They don't pray. They don't spend time in the Word. In fact, they get distracted. It could be family. It could be kids. It could be business. It could be a number of different things that they just get distracted with. Money, all these different things. They could get distracted by the things of this world, and they, instead of making God the top priority, they make everything else in this world the top priority. And they stop doing the very things that God's word told them to do. Jesus said, seek me first. Then all these things will be added. All these things will be added unto you as well. 
And when you center Jesus, if you put him at the center of your life, his love for you will pour out into everything else and everyone else as well. The last one is the good heart. Verse 20 talks about that. They experience this and live out this saving faith. They produce fruit. And during this time, Jesus says 30 to 60 to 100 times. This is a very important concept to remember. In that day, to produce five times as much in your crop, would be, you would be the best of the best in that culture. What does Jesus say? He's going above that. He's going 30, 60, even 100 times as much. This is unimaginable to them. They're thinking five times as much, that's the peak of what you could do. But Jesus is saying, Lo, when you follow me, I will take you beyond yourself. In fact, you'll reproduce 30, 60, even 100 times as much. That when we go into the community and we win a person to Christ, do you know you just changed an entire generation of people? Because that person is going to reach somebody else. That person that they just reached is going to reach somebody else. And it continues throughout all of eternity. That's why Jesus is able to say 30, 60, even 100 times as much. This is why we do what we do. This is why we're going to Ecuador. Because I know if we reach somebody in Ecuador, they're going to reach somebody in, in who knows where in the world. You know, because I know God can call people into Ecuador. God can call people that are in Ecuador to another country. And all of a sudden, you see what Jesus is talking about now. 30 to 60 to 100 times as much. There is no way we could wrap our mind around how many lives we can touch when we just reach one. This is why everyone matters, because they matter to God. I'm going to ask Gary to come. He's going to share a little bit about just what we're going to be doing in Ecuador and uh, the team that we're going to be working with, as well as some of the ministries. And I can honestly say this publicly. This trip would not have happened without Gary and Nora. Um, This is truly just, I'm so thankful for them. Yeah, give them a hand. And... uh, when I originally talked to Gary, we, I shared with him that a door closed on where we were wanting to go, and immediately God opened a door right there. It was one of the most coolest things. I just wanted to share that with you because we had an idea of where we were going to go, and the door just closed. But how many know when God opens the door, he opens the door, and when he wants the door closed, he, there's no way you're going to open that door again, amen? And so God opened this door for us, so we thank you, Gary, for that, and uh, just share with the congregation what we'll be doing. Okay, amen. Yes, I was so excited when... When I saw this door come open, we're going to show a few slides, um, tell you a little bit about Ecuador, where we are going. Uh, Ecuador is a country, a developing country, 16 million people. Uh, it's made up of three regions. One of the regions is the coastal region, then you have the Andes Mountains region, and then you have the Amazon, the jungle region. And we are going to be going to a city called Guayaquil. Um, it's on the coast. And it's actually called the Pearl of the Pacific. And we're just so excited to go there. It's my wife's uh, home. That's where she comes from, this city. Uh, we've lived there for, uh, for years as missionaries. My son Josh was born there. Uh, we're meeting up with friends. Uh, missionaries are coming also from Chile to meet us in Guayaquil. And we have this excellent time. You can, there, right there is a slide of right in front of the hotel where we're going to be staying that is a, it's about a mile-long walkway. Uh, tourists come, people come to just hang out in the afternoon. We're going to be doing a lot of our outreach uh, right there on that walkway. Uh, you can go to the next slide. This is a picture right where you step out of a church that we're going to be co-laboring with, a church called Casa de Dios. Uh, right as you step outside of their door and you look up to the left, that's the, 
that's what you see. It's the top of this mountain. Uh, there are little, little villages up there. Uh, it's, I love that picture. It's beautiful. I've sat there uh, and just, just looked up there and just prayed. It's, it's an amazing thing. Okay, you can go to the next slide. This is right in the center. Our hotel is going to be right off to the left. Uh, but that's looking at the colonial district of Guayaquil. And it, it's beautiful. It's called Las Peñas. And we're going to be doing outreach in this part of the city. You can go to the next slide. This is the pastoral family that we're going to be co-laboring with, Pastor Gunther, his wife Teresa, and their four children. Um, they're a very special family. They have a very loving church. And when I told him about this opportunity of us possibly coming with a youth group, he just was broken. He was so excited. And then I, then I said, what, why are you so excited? And he goes, well, God told us that 2017 is going to be a year of great breakthrough for our church. And we know that this visit is a part of that breakthrough. So you can go to the next slide. This is a picture of the youth group uh, in their church. And they are a dynamic young group. And our, our goal on this trip really is just go and be with them, co-labor with them, make friends with them, reach out to the lost with them. And really, really excited. Uh, and it's going to be awesome to see our youth speaking Spanish with them and them speaking English with us. It's going to be, it's going to be a great time. I did, I did tell the youth yesterday, if you know five words of Spanish, use those five words. Uh, because you know what? God, God does, isn't hindered by the language barrier. God can come in and with a hug do an amazing, amazing work in somebody's life. So this is, look at that group. They're just filled with life and and I'm really excited about, about meeting up with them. You go to the next slide. This was a planning meeting that we had. My wife and I and my daughter, we were in Ecuador a couple, few months back. This is the pastor, his wife, and the youth pastor, Willie. And we're just making plans, making the agenda. We're going to be going to, to uh, schools. We're going to be uh, doing street evangelism. We're going to be going to a seniors' home. Uh, we're going to be doing various forms of outreach. And they're making the plans. We're also reaching out to a city where they have a church plant going. This is a group of Chilenos. And when he found out that we were going to Ecuador, they're church planters. They like to be involved. Um, they said, we want to take a group too. And they're going to meet us in Guayaquil. This are uh, uh, some dear friends from Santiago, Chile, from Linares, Chile. One more slide. This is a picture inside the church, Casa de Dios, before service. I just snapped a photo so you could see. Um, the church that we'll be ministering with. Okay, I think there's one more. Oh, this is, this is a tough one. This is, uh, we are going to spend uh, one night, a uh, couple days, in a city called Salinas. And there's a church, friends that we have, missionaries that are there. Uh, we're going we're gonna to go to the beach, have fun, uh, and also meet up with them. And it's going to be an amazing time. Um, that's going to be tough to take, I tell you, just being at that, at that beach. But I will say this, we're excited, like Pastor Bobby said, we're excited that this group has been put together, and he's just put this group together. Excited for what God's going to do in them. Um, but also so excited because I know them. To, I'm so excited about what God's going to do in this church and the people that will be touched by our youth taking this step of faith. We're going to go. We're going to sow the seed. And in Guayaquil, Ecuador, I can tell you personally, the soil is very good. And we're going to come back and we're going to tell the stories of what God done, has done and, and give testimonies of his faithfulness. Amen.
And this, this morning we have uh, just an opportunity for you that we want to give to you to um, contribute um, in a way that would help these students. They're still in the process of raising funds. Um, some of you have asked how much does it cost for the student to go. Um, to, with everything that we're including as far as um, just the airline, the transportation, the, the housing, all those different things that are involved, food, different things like that, it's roughly going to be about $1,600 for two weeks that we're there. Um, so that's just kind of giving you an idea of what that will cost. So they're still in process of raising funds. Um, so uh, at this time, if the, the students, you guys can get ready uh, for that. If you would like to give today, I'm not going to tell you to give a certain amount. I just want you to be obedient to what God is telling you. Um, that's scriptural, uh, that God will prompt something and maybe in your heart to give something. And, um, you know, I just, I just believe in faith that God's going to provide for these students. And, uh, you know, like I said, missions trips have a near... Uh, have a, it's very dear to my heart um, just because of what God's done in my life through it. Um, and I'll share one final story, and then we'll pray over this offering. Um, but when we went to Costa Rica about three or four years ago, I do thank you for uh, helping us get there. Um, the reason for that was one of the most amazing stories I think I've ever witnessed in my life was we went into dozens and dozens of public schools, public schools, and we were, we were able to share whatever we wanted about Jesus. Um, and we saw dozens and dozens of students and teachers give their life to the Lord. But there was one student in particular, it was, it was kind of a last minute thing. We were on the bus and the team leader for that trip, Bill Parks, um, some of you know him, got a call from a principal uh, and said, hey, we, only, we have a class of teenagers that would uh, just, you can bring them in. They have nothing to do, but we heard about you guys being here. So would you come in and, and do your presentation? Um, so we went into the small classroom. We were jammed in there. There was teenagers. They looked like juniors and seniors in high school, most of them. And we had them do this skit where they had to act like a chicken and a frog and all this different stuff. So some of the kids, they're laughing about it. Some of them are kind of like, what in the world did we just, what are we witnessing right now? And um, through that skit, we were able to give the gospel presentation of Jesus Christ. That night, we had a church service. We invited them all to church. That night, we had a church service. And this teenage girl showed up. And after talking with her, she walked over two miles in the middle of the night to come to a church service. With, and we may have streetlights here. There were no streetlights on her route. And it wasn't necessarily, I would say this, it was not necessarily the safest neighborhood in the world for her to be walking through by herself. She walked over two miles to a church service, gave her life to the Lord. We then talked to her afterwards, and we said, what, why did you come this far? She said, I wanted, these kids were able to act like chickens and frogs, and I wanted to know why it is they were acting like chickens and frogs because they had so much confidence in acting this out that I was wondering, what, what is this Jesus thing about? And she showed up to a service. And from that, I know 30, 60, 100 times much is what Jesus said. When one person comes to know Christ, that's what they'll do. They'll reproduce who they are. If it was just that one teenage girl coming to know the Lord, that trip would have been worth it to me. But we had more and more students come. We had teachers, adults. We had people come to the Lord. Lord. And I believe in faith. We're going to have many lives uh, changed for the glory of God in the nation of Ecuador. And it's going to spread into the entire world. Whether it's a decade from now, a century from now, or, uh, or whoever knows how long from now. God's going to bless it. Amen. So whatever God's leading you to do, I pray you just be obedient to that. And uh, if you don't have money today or if you only have a card, you can actually give online at graceofbelair.com. There's a link on there called Generush. Um, that's Generush. You can just click on that and do it that way. Just make sure you put on there 
what that goes to. Um, so we're going to pray over this and uh, just ask the Lord's blessing.